0: episode 34 of the Hot Grits Podcast, season 2, episode 14. We're rolling right along. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, November 5th. Uh, with me, as always, is Spencer Maddox.
1: That's right, Trav. Episode 34 overall, the Herschel Walker episode. Yeah, yeah. uh And in that theme, we'll preview UGA versus UF. Uh, we've got a little interview with Christian Gokel from ESPN Coastal. That was awesome having Christian on. Um, but first, you want to read from our friends over at Coach's Corner.
0: Yeah, we're presented by Coach's Corner in Savannah, part of the Coach's Corner Sports Network. Check out Coach's Corner uh, today. You can check them out at coaches.net. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Call them, 912-352-2933. Breakfast, now at Coach's Corner. We'll talk more about that later in the episode. Um, Also, you want to check out the Carl DeMossi Sports Report for everything local in Savannah with Chad Griffin. Uh, and then the NASCAR show with the Coach's Corner Sports Network and uh, Brandon, Dan, and Producer Lawrence. That's Rubbin' and Grubbin'. Uh, check them out on Twitter, Instagram, if, and Facebook as well.
1: If I ever wake up in time, I'm going to head straight to Coach's Corner for that breakfast, man. It's... You, won't,
0: you won't ever wake up in time. <laughs> that's true. Are you politics guy now? I think I am, dude. I am hooked into this election, but I think it's because I don't have... Uh, necessarily a rooting interest
1: yeah Um, well i mean all of us have a rooting interest you just don't like know which way you should
0: vote, right yeah i mean i voted for the third party yeah as i I, did as as did i yeah and then like down the ballot i just there were some republicans i voted for and some democrats but the biden versus trump thing especially in georgia is fascinating to watch as a sports person watching an election i i consume it the way i would a sporting event because i don't no, yeah. I don't know any other way.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I consumed it as well. We were checking the betting lines. You were texting me. This is how dumb I am. I went on a first date. How dumb are you? Super dumb. I went on a first date thinking that, you know, I don't really care about the election that much. Like, I'll just check the results in the morning like it's the NBA draft. No, sir. Dude, I was locked in. The second you texted me something about the betting lines switching heavily towards Donald Trump, I was locked in.
0: I, yeah, I didn't think I would care at all. I mean, I, I I thought I would care about the result and like because I had no idea who's gonna win, uh, and just like a sporting event, I'm I'm tuned in because I have no idea yeah. who was gonna win. And on Tuesday night, a uh, huge day in American history, it was the NFL trade deadline. Um, the election also happened on Tuesday night, uh, and nothing was resolved. Uh, nothing still is resolved. Wednesday night, nothing resolved, uh, despite what some candidates might claim there there are no wins yet and as we record this at this point
1: they're pretty much both claiming victory well it's just like there's there's several
0: states in place though but it's just I mean anyone that doesn't think that it's entertaining and fascinating television I mean I know there's a lot on the line all right I know it's like higher brow than what we're saying but for us you know who higher brow well look it would be like trying like a person that's not a sports guy is gonna like probably know who is in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? And they're gonna like probably watch the Super Bowl at a party or something and they'll and that's about as far into it as I am. It's just watching yeah. the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl.
1: Speaking of that, are 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 we doing that with the election whenever we talk about the election? Because there's nothing worse than hearing like maybe not a girl that's super stereotypical, but like somebody who clearly doesn't watch sports
0: Oh yeah, we are That is our, that's us.
1: Whenever you hear them talk about like the Super Bowl while you're at a Super Bowl watch party or something, is there anything more brutal than that? Because you want to correct them, then you're like, no, do I really want to go down this rabbit hole like explaining who this guy is for the next hour and a half or should I just watch this stupid game?
0: Yeah, or it's like, I don't know. I don't know if your mom watches sports or not. It's like watching a game with your mom. My mom's on
2: top of sports. But she
0: like calls the players by their first names or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. My mom used to do this thing when- She does that with the Braves. When Jake Fromm was quarterback Georgia, my mom would call him Jake. <laughs> on a TV she would be like, Come on, Jake. <laughs> you know, as if they like knew each other from way back. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely are the amateur politics guys and that's why people come to us for yeah. politics. We are your headquarters for election yeah. twenty twenty.
1: Your <laughs> first stop, one stop shop for election.
0: All right, let's do uh let's do hundred and twenty seconds, two minutes on the election, any takes. Um I had some written down. Uh, I thought it was a. It was cool that there were a lot of votes, most votes ever. Um, I think like well over uh, 190 million votes now, which is 135 million in 2016. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. Uh, I waited three minutes to vote on Tuesday. So if you voted early and you did not have to vote early, you're an idiot, uh, and you deserve to wait in a long line because <laughs> you're an idiot. Uh, there's a reason why the election day is on Tuesday, and it took me three minutes as it has in 2016 and as it did in 2012. So vote on election day. And it turns out you don't have to wait at all. Uh, one more take, Spencer. Thank God it is the end of the political texts and the political ads. Oh, Ka- man. Kind of. Kind of. We're still going to have runoffs Yeah. coming in December. So we'll get a little more of those texts that somehow they got your phone number and they send it to you or they call you. That uh, should be illegal, right? Like the, Nobody should just be able to text you. Well, like. who are the people that would make it illegal?
1: I don't know. Yeah, the, I the guess the same them. people, yeah, that yeah, are yeah.
0: U- the same people that are using the, ad, the the only people that can create a law for that are the people that are using the ads to get elected. Dude, my take is that whoever's doing these polls, poll, not a great, no, not a great year for poll guy.
1: They're lying, right? Like, well,
0: Or they're just wrong. They're either
1: really, really wrong, in which case stop doing them or they're outright lying because it was yeah. not close in this two, two election cycles in a row that they weren't close. I mean they missed bad on Hillary, they missed even worse on Biden, dude.
0: Yeah, and that's that was my thing on Tuesday night and even Wednesday night when you're watching the betting lines and you can't you cannot bet on a presidential election in America. There are no lines distributed. But you can America. bet overseas. But overseas they had a uh, by far it's the biggest live betting event of all time. Yeah. Overseas and and it's not really close. Mayweather McGregor Was the highest one ever over there. And it was, I think, 40 something uh, million dollars were bet on that night. And then over 500 million last night was bet on Tuesday night. Oh my God. Yeah. um, So it, I mean, 500 million dollars. That's on Tuesday night. Yeah. Like in that for the Tuesday night. I
1: bet on it. Did you bet on it?
0: No. 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 Good on you. But I mean, it was cool to watch the betting lines be completely different. And tell you a completely different story than what was on your TV screen, or yeah. what was on your phone screen. I mean,
1: it was it, it, it was eye opening, if nothing else. Like just watching the betting lines. You were sending me yours, yours, your spread was way different than mine. I don't know why.
0: It's because they move so rapidly. We're used to like a game, a betting line in sports changing by a half point or a point if somebody gets hurt or, you know, one thing or another. Um, you know, the weather, stuff like that. But these things were moving rapidly, and I was hooked. Even hopefully, I didn't even bet on it. hopefully
1: we can put politics to bed for another four years on this podcast. All right, let's right?
2: yeah,
0: no doubt. Let's uh transition into one more uh non sports thing. Uh well two more. Okay. You working uh at a downtown bar for Halloween. Yeah. Did you see what a notable costume or two? Anything clever? Um not that Any, I remember man. A la Jose Fernandez? Not,
1: not 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 that I remember honestly. It was it was kind of a down year for costumes in general. Uh, Yeah, a lot
0: of Tiger King.
1: Yeah, a lot of Tiger King, a lot of couples costumes were pretty lame. Uh, Yeah. People were paying just outrageous sums to get in bars because capacity is lowered via COVID, so you have to charge. So
0: Supply demand.
1: Yeah. uh, I think everyone in the bar industry was pretty frustrated this weekend just with the general vibe of the customer.
0: Yeah, well, people working in bars frustrated. Not really breaking news. Yeah. Um, I saw my favorite one that I saw. We all
1: hate drunk people. That much we know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My favorite one that I saw was a guy that was just wearing cargo shorts, a (laughs) t-shirt, and on the front of his shirt, he had a piece of paper uh, um, taped to him. And on the piece of paper was written, on on the front of his shirt was written, Bruce Wayne. And on the back of his shirt was another piece of paper that read Batman, <laughs> and so he was two and one, and um, he I, looked nothing like Batman besides the fact that he had two pieces of paper. I kind of
1: liked him. I kind of liked your costume—the colorful afro and the nose. You win as yourself. Yeah, on this podcast,
0: right? Right. I'm a clown. Uh, my niece decided that I needed to be a clown for Halloween, so it was those
1: I mean, those pictures were legitimately cute, though. Like I don't know. I'm picturing you. you didn't see a picture no, 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 of me. not not with your not with your niece. Yeah. But I'm picturing you. Right, there is no the picture. Clown, Yeah, no no, 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 y'all put y'all put your phones in a basket, right?
0: No, I I, I vouched for that. Like I wanted that to be a thing. Like Derek Jeter's uh, penthouse. You know the stories of Derek Jeter having ladies over, right? No, you never heard that. This sounds really creepy. We got time, dude. Off rip. All right, Derek Jeter, his entire career in New York, did he ever make bad headlines? You ever hear of him doing anything? No. And do you know why? When ladies came over to his house ladies Derek jeter was probably the most eligible bachelor in new york yeah. for a decade when ladies came over to his house you would have to leave your phone in a basket or or give it to over to him or over to somebody else at his house and that was it you didn't get it back till you left and he would also rumor has it send gift baskets to ladies that would That he would have a night with. Oh, I'm doing
1: that, dude. And
0: he would send him gift (laughs) baskets later. Yeah, He he never called him again, but he sent him gift baskets.
1: That's a great idea. How can you be mad at somebody that just sent you a gift basket? That's
0: how you become the biracial angel that Derek Jeter is and was.
1: Oh, I love biracial angel.
0: Uh, Any hot takes on daylight savings times? There's a lot of people that get really worked up about this. Yeah, uh,
1: there's no playing golf for me right now. Unless I just want to be incredibly tired. I hate daylight savings time, man. It's not good a for anyone.
0: Savings time factoid. Yeah. Did you know that Arizona does not abide by daylight savings time?
1: Good on them. They just say it, fuck it. Yeah, they just keep yes. rolling. So they're at a different time than the rest of their time zone. Isn't that incredible? That's awesome. That's what we should do,
0: dude. That's not giving a rip.
1: I'm just gonna right? start showing up an hour late to work and be like, I don't abide by daylight savings time. Sorry, I mm-hmm. made a decision.
0: It's like uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo in Texas.
1: We workshopped it. He we talked so it out, <laughs> and we decided that we don't like daylight savings time.
0: Yeah, I had a little brainstorming sesh. Figured out that uh, I don't like what time it is. Also, February, I'm going to change it to 30 days. 30 days every year, fuck it.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, down, I'm <laughs> down with that. Let's talk about sports before we lose most of our listeners. you want base. to talk about
0: sports? Yeah. Sports.
1: Uh, so we're split on this Georgia versus Florida outcome.
0: Yeah, so we have Georgia versus Florida, a full preview at the end of this episode with Christian Gokel of ESPN Coastal. Awesome interview, but we let, let's get a couple of our takes in. Um, if you're listening to this after the Georgia-Florida game, uh, I guess you'll find out which one of us was right. Georgia favored by three and a half points over under 52 and a half.
1: Um, Like I said, I'm hammering Georgia on three and a half.
0: That puts it, that puts it uh, like in the mid to upper twenties, the, yeah. impl- the implied score there. Um, I-, I like Florida in this game. I really like Florida straight up, to be honest with you. Only because Georgia's banged up in the secondary and Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and that Florida offense are really good. What gives Georgia problems? Really, really good wide receiver, quarterback combos. Now, that's not revolutionary. I guess that gives a lot of people problems. That gives everyone problems. But Georgia excels at stopping the run, and I think they'll be able to do that against Florida. They have to. That's mandatory. You got to get – and then you got to allow Kyle Pitts, I guess, uh, to get his probably six, seven, eight catches, a touchdown, and then Kyle Trask probably 250 and two TDs. If you can do that, you got a shot. But Georgia's going to have to score at least, in my opinion, at least 27 points. Yeah, to win this game and I, I still like Florida something like 27 26 what about you
1: I'm I'm hammering Georgia three and a half I was kind of surprised that the line was set there honestly I thought they would give Georgia more points um I think I think Georgia's offensive struggles over the past week are a little bit of an anomaly uh what we saw early on in the season with Seth and Bennett he clearly has proved that he can be better than what we've seen the past two weeks I hope so yeah and I mean Hopefully they've heard the calls and that they start getting the ball into their, their playmaker's hands on the outside. They start running a little bit different actions. Uh, maybe, George Pickens back this week. Yeah. Maybe we see like a tall sweep or two. You know what I mean? Instead of just running right up the middle of the gut. But yeah. I still think that Georgia has, if not the best offense, the number two or number three, or excuse me, defense, number two or number three defense in the country. I you mentioned too. You mentioned the secondary being busted up. Florida doesn't have a dominant side like that. And I don't know. I just, I don't see it. If Georgia
0: was healthy, if Richard LeCount was at safety, if Rochester Dick, was your, playing, your boy, Dick LeCount, big Dick LeCount is the man from Liberty County. Um If he was playing, I, I'd be all for Georgia. Um But I, I am fascinated to see how it shakes out. Big picture, Georgia. So Florida. one
1: player on the defensive side of the ball switches it that heavily.
0: for No, we Rochester's out for Georgia along the defensive line. Okay. Jordan Davis is only going to play sparingly. If okay. at all, he's another secondary player. Uh, I mean, they're missing dudes. Yeah. They're missing dudes. And I think Stetson Bennett, I mean, he's going to have to do something for me on the ground. Like, he's going to have to provide a threat to the Florida defense yeah. without.
1: The, man, I've just seen Stetson Bennett make the throws, and it's like he's still clearly working through it. Like, I don't know. Well,
0: I, it's going to be different if Florida decides to put eight, nine in the box yeah. and make Stetson Bennett. I know but that's the, football guy, but
1: the the takes that I've heard on Stetson Bennett that he like can't make the throws or he, you know he doesn't have it. That's not it. He, he's he's had some rough games and some rough outings, but to me they're indicative of a quarterback that's is first year starting. I mean, I know he's sixty five years old. Well, maybe,
0: yeah, maybe he is not a great quarterback. I mean, I, dude, he can I make think, the throws. I, I, look, the throw against the touchdown it, throw against Alabama—that's that's like a. Uh, and then they didn't score in the second half. Once they I know, were trusted. I then, know. Then against but, Kentucky, he throws it 13 times, uh, and two of them are picked off. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, first year starting. I think if you're throwing it only 13 times, that says to me enough about what the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the entire coaching staff thinks about you. I guess if they're going to drop back 13 times only. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. Big picture, Georgia, Florida. A couple things.
1: So, one last take. Go ahead. Uh, if you're if you're a Georgia fan, you got to be excited that Travis <sighs> just bet on Florida this past week.
0: Yeah, that bodes well for.
1: That bodes well
0: <laughs> for the Bulldogs for sure. Um, well, let me be clear. I okay. did not bet Florida. I don't bet Georgia games. Period. Oh, I thought you. I took Florida in a pool that I am in oh, every week. Okay, we okay, have okay. five high school games, five college games, and you pick them straight up. I'm taking Florida. I'm also four games back in that pool, so I feel like a lot of people are going to take Georgia. So let me be clear about it. I do think Florida's going to win, but yeah. it's not like I, I took the spread. Yeah, you didn't bet them. Okay, right. Okay. Um, Fair. Uh, a couple of things. Big picture: Georgia, Florida. No frat beach this year on St. Simon's Island. That well, uh, oh, that is big. That picture. touched a spot to me. That's macro. Well, that touched a, a, a you know a spot in my heart because I. <laughs> Shotgun several natty lights over several years on Frat Beach.
1: When's the last time you went down there?
0: Oh, probably four years ago.
1: I haven't been I'm down. I'm 29 now. I haven't dude. been it's down to the Landing since I was. I just turned 21.
0: Well, that's in Jack, actually in Jacksonville, but yeah. I mean like the weekend headquarters for Georgia fans have has always been Saint, Saint Simon's Thomas. Island. Now this year they decided because of Corona to ban alcohol on the beaches of Saint Simon's Island only for this weekend.
2: Mm. Uh, well, well, smart. I
0: mean, probably smart. You don't want. Well, you can how, you, how do you keep thousands of college kids from descending on your beach don't allow alcohol well do I mean what <laughs> they're not coming if there's no beers oh, what's the what what are
1: they saying to lose it's not like the those guys aren't gonna be around other people during this week and partying their ass I don't
0: off. know. like I'm not gonna come with it I don't get it coronavirus restrictions. yeah I guess I but, guess not but it,
1: well, it's just frustrating to me to hear that because they're just gonna go to a bar all the bars are open in Florida well
0: they'll like, probably go down to Jacksonville in Georgia instead of coming to St Simon's at all yeah they probably won't go to St. Simon's at all, is what I would think. Um, I, there is a lot of old a, people in
1: St. Simon's, I guess. That if you sense. have
0: a chance this weekend, get out there in your backyard and shotgun a lukewarm natty uh for in remembrance of Frat Peach. Hurrah. <laughs> um anything else on Georgia, Florida. Uh, Jacksonville will never be a neutral site. It's not a neutral site. It's not a neutral site. You say site. this every year. It's not a you say site. this every it's year, neutral site. You say it's this every in, year. There's
1: just as many Georgia fans there as it's there are Florida In
0: the state. Of Florida. It is not so? a neutral site. Let me ask you this. If the game was played over the last ninety nine years at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, do you think that's a neutral site? No. Be- it's the same thing, because it's in but the it's state not, of Georgia. It
1: makes it to where you your student section has to travel. That's all it is.
0: Oh my God, but it's not in a neutral state. It's in the state I know. It's in the state for the flagship where the flagship university of one of these teams is I mean, Florida is yeah, the, but it's
1: an hour and a half away from one of the biggest cities in Georgia, too.
0: But here, but okay, how far the <laughs> mileage and the, the mileage and Wait, the okay, hour, okay. listen, the mileage from Athens, yeah, the hours it takes, and the state all favor Florida. Now, spare me that every other oh, year you get to home fuck, jerseys I don't and stuff. Care. It's not a neutral site game, yeah, fight anyone that says it is.
1: All right. You, know I I you clearly ne- care more than I do, so I'll concede this to you. but You know who I, I would never wrong? ever ever fight? Who?
0: Me? John Carr. Duh. John Carr, I would never fight John Carr because he's too nice. And plus he could probably take me. John Carr Real Estate is what you need to be looking at if you're selling a home, buying a home in Savannah. Call John 912 228 0916 or visit him at 6349 Abercorn Street. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter at John C. underscore. One nine two John Carr, real estate for your real estate needs in Savannah. Congrats to John and his wife, Laura on the birth of a baby boy. Awesome. yesterday. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what else? Spencer, do you want to jump right into anything else? College football. We got Trevor Lawrence out versus Notre Dame. Who you got? Uh, I mean, that's also I've gotta say, my pool. you
1: gotta say Clemson still, right? I mean, especially after they look this past week,
0: Yeah, I still like Clemson, but I would not be surprised if Notre Dame won. That game's on NBC Saturday night. That'll be fun. That's
1: huge, man. Fun to watch, yeah. I Um, mean, is it really going to have national title implications, though? Even if Clemson loses, they're probably still...
0: If Notre Dame wins, I would say that that if you're a Georgia fan and and Georgia wins at 3.30 on Saturday, you want Clemson to beat Notre Dame. is Is there
1: any chance Clemson's not in the playoff?
0: If they lose to Notre Dame and lose another game.
1: Yeah, they would have, to, have lose to lose another two, one.
0: Yeah, And I look, I think that's fair. I think that you never want to like put a team in the playoff because of what they've done in years past. But yeah. if it's several years and if all other factors are even, like if I'm comparing them to another one-loss team... And
1: if you're missing a, a Heisman hopeful or, via coronavirus. Right, you
0: have to take that into consideration. And if it comes down to an undefeated Cincinnati, an undefeated BYU versus a one-loss Clemson, I don't think anyone... I mean, you can make an argument on the field, but let's be honest, they're taking Clemson. Honestly, taking I think the market.
1: I think Clemson could probably worm its way in with two losses somehow.
0: I don't see that happening.
1: I, I mean, I, just, I don't know. This, this year, it, there's any not, any not going to be
0: enough two-loss team, two yeah, teams. Any other year, yeah.
1: But, I mean, there's whenever you take games. into account Trevor Lawrence missing time because of a virus that, you know what I mean? Like,
0: it's tough. Yeah. It's the, tough. Um. Georgia Southern versus Troy this weekend Georgia Southern is a one- point favor it might be a pick 'em by now they beat South Alabama last week feels like a year ago uh, behind Wesley Kennedy the third, Savannah Native and BC grad who absolutely went off. so congrats to them. Uh, hopefully they can take care of Troy this weekend. Um,
1: is your is your betting bug once again gonna bite you for Georgia Southern this weekend?
0: No, I'm steering clear. I'm steering clear you promise? I promise. Don't I you promise. lie to our listeners, dude. I would never do that, dude. I would never future bet my listeners like you would. <laughs> the Dolphins could be the best team in the NFL, dude. Their they may never lose again. to a tongue of Iowa. Not a great stat line. Less than 100 yards throwing, but he had a TD and he won. He's a winner, Spencer. Yeah. He's a winner. Did you see what Ryan Fitzpatrick was wearing at practice this week? No. Uh, Dolphins traded one of their uh, depth wide receivers to the Pats for um a mid-round pick and this guy ford isaiah ford that the dolphins traded was beloved and, and fitzpatrick and him got along well and so another blow to fitzpatrick's heart but fitzpatrick wears these really really tight short shorts that isaiah ford used to wear like like what a track runner would wear uh and almost shorter way way up there <laughs> this week i practiced and it just looked funny to see fitzpatrick holding a clipboard even at practice Wearing really, really, really tiny shorts. Interesting. Are the Dolphins going to win that division? I don't know. I think the Bills are the best in that division. They haven't won the AFC East since 1995. The Bills haven't. Uh, Whoa. So they're what you would call due uh, in the business. That's what we would say. They are due to win. Um, And if not this year, then I don't know what year. Who was the quarterback in that 95 season? (laughs) You got me. I don't know. I don't either. Uh, Kellen Powers would know. Uh, if, uh, If the Dolphins do want to win that division, they'd have to beat... Buffalo when they play them again because they've already had a head-to-head loss. Falcons 2-6 and six, spinny. They beat Carolina last night or last week on Thursday Night Football. They'll, they will host Denver. 3-4 and four Denver. 1 o'clock. Programming note. It's on CBS, not Fox. So that'll be new for Falcons fans.
1: Last last chance to get your uh, Falcons Super Bowl bets in at plus $100,000. Duly noted.
0: I uh, don't think I will do that.
1: No chance, dude. Uh, but, I mean... Still, in my heart of hearts, I keep saying, like, there's one percent of me that's saying the Falcons could sneak in at eight at eight. Stop. They could sneak in. Stop it. They could sneak in, man. I don't like and that. And then then the actual analyst in me is like, it's Georgia, bro. Even if they got in there, they'd lose forty nine to nothing in the first, you know, quarter.
0: Yeah, I definitely did pick Dallas to win the NFC this year. Do you know that? <laughs> Check I remember out. that you picked
1: it on this podcast. That's
0: correct. I picked Dallas and it is heading towards possibly one of the worst predictions of all time. So we, well, me, I mean, me a quarterback got elect-
1: hurt. in fairness to you, a quarterback got hurt, but they didn't look great before They were that. terrible even with <laughs> and yeah. without
0: the Falcons gifting them a win, they would be yeah. like winless, I think. I think they only have one win. Man,
1: the Falcons could easily be 5 and 3 or yeah, 5 and 3.
0: Who very, very who easily. got it more wrong? Me picking the Cowboys or uh pollsters before this election. Oof. Stew on it.
2: Think Oof. it.
1: I, I did, think no one loses in that scenario. I did pick Pittsburgh or to no win the wins. AFC
0: North and to lose in the AFC title game, but I was very high on them. Go back and check it. Check my stats if you don't believe me. I picked Pittsburgh to do good.
1: I don't remember who I picked Yeah. at I mean, this point. like. I know I took Baltimore. That
0: makes sense. I believe you.
1: I know I took Baltimore to do well.
0: Yeah, I think it I knows. had... Uh, we'll have to
1: do a recap next episode yeah, on I that. I think I
0: had Baltimore-Dallas. Um, this is a
1: midway point. It's time to do something like that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know that people really give a shit about our predictions, though. They should. Clearly, we don't really care that much about him. <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball news. Freddie Freeman, top three for NL MVP. That should be coming his way soon. Um, I would think so, right? What takes
1: longer, the... An election process or announcing the MVP in baseball? What are they
0: doing, man? Well, you know the voting was done before the playoffs. Yeah. What? Did, what's taking so long? Why do they drag it out? I mean, I think they like they don't want to announce them all in one day. Like you get you get more. They roll them out. Longevity out of your news. Yeah. You're guess you're in the so. headlines more often, I guess. Um, uh, other things in Major League Baseball quickly. Kevin Cash is front runner for AL Manager of the Year. That should be in- interesting. Given uh, what happened in the World Series, I think he's still going to win the AL manager of the year, the Rays manager, but that'll be interesting to watch how that plays out. Speaking of managers, this was a good one. White Sox hired seven year old Tony LaRusa as their manager. Rumor was that Alex Cora, former Red Sox manager who was suspended a year, that suspension is up. So it's a matter of time before the Red Sox make Alex Cora their manager again. You think so? Yeah, yeah you heard it here first. Um, they chose Tony LaRusa, seven year old, who was already elected. To the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when La Russa left, there's an understanding that you're out for four years before you're eligible for the Hall of Fame. And they elect him, and now he's back in the game. And I'm telling you, the old guys at the Baseball Hall of Fame, an old baseball guy, is pissed. Really? They are pissed. Yeah, because they do not want an active manager, player, front office, personnel member, any of those people in the Hall of Fame. That's like They take that shit Seriously. That
1: doesn't make any sense.
0: And they are upset about it. Uh, if anything,
1: it's cool. It's like a living legend. It's good for the game.
0: I guess. You know, I don't know if I would want to hire a seven year old man. I mean, we're about to elect a seventy year old president, I guess, but yeah. I don't know that I would want a seven year old manager running my club that is built around really, really young guys. White Sox are pretty good. On paper at least. Um
1: Timmy but, Anderson, baby.
0: Yeah, your boy, Timmy I, Anderson. I
1: promised that I'd buy I promised him that I would buy his jersey this year because he carried me that far, so
0: all right, we want to get you guys to our interview with Christian GoKel, so not much longer. A couple other things, Spencer will be brief. Uh, what do you make of this whole Giannis Anta Antetokounmpo? One year left in Milwaukee, but rumors are swirling. Uh, notably uh, from Ashley Nicole Moss, which is a whole other topic. A uh, uh, you know, unverified, little known reporter out of Miami who has an iHeart Radio show. She's tweeted out that. Uh, Miami would be prepared to offer Giannis a long-term contract and that Giannis would be prepared to sign that contract. She's also reported that Tyler Hero is not off-limits in a Giannis Antetokounmpo right. potential trade. Here's the thing. Uh, Giannis, one more year in Milwaukee, but he could be traded before then. He could. He won't be traded unless he's willing to sign a long-term deal wherever he's traded, Miami. That report, That's not true. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anyone's going to give up what it would take unless they had at least a verbal agreement, at least an understanding that he would be willing to stay there, right? It's not gonna be a Kawhi thing, I don't think.
1: But yeah, it could be well, that that that's the example I was gonna put forth it, there is that there is be. precedence at this point.
0: It could be. I, I don't envision that. And people know that I am an NBA futures guy because I predict he's not, Rivers to fill. he's
1: not gonna get traded period unless he specifically requests for a trade. Because the Bucks are convinced. Everything that I've read, the Bucks are convinced that they can convince him to stay. If they put a good enough team around him, so they're going to spend some money this offseason trying. trying, yeah. as they should, and they're going to try and ship Chris Middleton. They're going to try and make some moves.
0: If Milwaukee I think, loses Giannis, they, their window is closed. It's oh yeah, shut. They, I mean, and so and they've never advanced past. their... They've gone to the conference finals once. They've usually have been bounced in the first or second round of the NBA playoffs. Um, and I, I mean, I'm sure at this Giannis point, I would pick. Wondering.
1: At this point, I would pick the field to have Giannis after this year, probably as the favorite
0: as would I but as would I
1: I do think there's smoke to this Miami thing I
0: well think I, wanted to ask I think I think they're uh,
1: gonna want to pick I think they're Giannis is gonna want to see if they can actually <laughs> keep that going keep the momentum going from that they have from the bubble because a lot of NBA guys don't really fully buy the heat outside of the bubble yet and I don't blame them I mean that heat team was awesome in there but they don't have the traditional top of the line talent that you would want to see from a Brooklyn. So you got to you got to think, the beast of the East next year is going to be Brooklyn. Everyone thinks that.
0: I, yeah, on paper going into it, but
1: is Giannis and Jimmy Butler enough to beat Kyrie and KD? I don't know.
0: Yeah, don't, neither do I. I don't know either. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. The NBA is working with a CBA agreement right now with the players. By the time you listen to this, something could be agreed upon. If they do agree upon something soon this week or. Probably within the time frame of you're listening to this, it'll probably be 70 games. If they don't, um, if they haven't reached a CBA agreement by the time that we record episode 35 next week, Spencer, it'll probably be a 50 game season. So, all indications are they will come to an agreement, but that's out there in the open. I wanted to ask you one more thing about this Giannis thing. Okay. Ashley Nicole Moss, and you can find her on Twitter, reports this. Uh, Sounds
1: like she went to Jenkins
0: on Twitter. Sounds like she went to Jenkins. I don't yeah. even know what that means. I don't know. Uh, um, she reports this on Twitter, and there are people obviously speculating this is an unverified account. less you know fewer than eight thousand followers, and not to not to be that guy because I'm not going to discredit her report until it's proven to not be true. If someone like Woj tweets it out, we're not having this conversation. No, it's done. So, like, I find it fascinating to watch, and I know people. Besides me, probably don't. But if she gets this right, this makes her career. Now she's now, I mean, she's legit. Yeah. We, we won't you, be questioning the next she reports.
1: You hear a billion of these a year, though. Especially now, in the NBA. Go look at her
0: followers. She has Donovan Mitchell following her. Really? Kyle Lowry following her. A few guys follow her. I mean, so we'll see. But I, I think that's a cool thing, and it's only good that. At least a few other people besides Shams and
1: All I'm and saying is Woger
0: breaking NBA news.
1: All I'm saying is, with all that cap space, if the Hawks put together forty wins this year, don't be surprised if they're one of the front runners to sign Giannis in twenty twenty one. Breaking That's Hawks, Hawks news
0: the Hawks did sign uh McMillan. Nate Nate McMillan. McMillan. Nasty Nate McMillan of Pacers as an fame. assistant coach. Yeah, former Pacers great head coach. <laughs> um. All right, Spencer. Anything else? That's it for me, buddy. Uh, let's talk for a second quickly. We're in our new digs here. We're in our uh, new yeah man. new HGP studio, so we're pumped about that. Thank you to Ray and Independent. Lasagna we're sitting a, we're for, sitting
1: across from each other now. A lot of eye contact. Yeah, the vibe was good today.
0: Pretty legit, pretty legit. So we have um, a couple of big things coming up. Some of them we are not able to announce yet, but we are able to tell you that you're gonna want to stay tuned. We're gonna have some promotions and giveaways. Um, some. Tickets to games that we're going to give away for free to Hot Chris Podcast listeners. Um, and all you have to do is sign up uh, you know, with your email address and phone number. Uh, and it'll be real easy. So we'll have more information about that on episode 35. Also, in season 3, Spencer and I have talked about it and thought about it for a while. We are going in season 3 to try and do episodes twice a week.
1: No try. We're going to do it.
0: But we don't know what day is yet. We, we haven't yeah. officially came up with a schedule, but we will let you guys know about that. And that's only, we're going to try it and see if you guys, or, you know, see how many people are listening to both episodes and see if you guys yeah. like that. If you don't. And we're
1: hoping, we're hoping that can keep episodes a little bit more brief, right? It's, it's, well, some of our more, episodes Yeah, go, a little more timely. Yeah. Some of our episodes go an hour and sometimes we're talking about stuff that happened last week. So, yeah, I mean, this way we can roll it out throughout the week.
0: Yeah, and then I think also we we want to definitely start having more interviews and and interviews with people more often on episodes. Right. Next week's episode we will have another interview, so we're excited about that. That'll be fun. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, we're really excited about what we have coming up in the future, anyways. And, and um, I, I think the the main thing that we want to do is just serve you and like do whatever the listeners like and want to do. If yeah. they're not supporting it. They're, and. You know, we
1: know pretty quickly if y'all like it.
0: Right. Um, all right. So, and, you know, you guys just stay tuned for that. Uh, we have Christian Gokel with ESPN Coastal coming up. Uh, his interview, we'll preview um, Georgia-Florida with him, talk a little more in-depth about Kirby Smart versus Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart versus Mark Richt, UGA quarterbacks, and why Georgia hasn't had a first-round quarterback uh, in the NFL draft since Matt Stafford over 10 years now. Um, uh, a lot of big-picture Georgia football stuff. So if you're a Georgia football fan, you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that interview. That interview brought to you by Braddy electric since 1970, Braddy electric serving Savannah's electrical needs for industrial, um, residential and commercial stuff. So call them 912 232 3240, or visit them at 1104 East 35th street. Um, we're going to take a break and then you guys are going to hear Spencer and I's conversation with ESPN radios, Christian gokel. Uh, on the other side of that break. Thank you, guys. Um, and we'll see you for episode 35. Rate, subscribe on Apple, uh, Spotify. Follow it on there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Podcast Grits. Hotgritspod at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jadon Sports. Uh Spencer, how do they follow you?
1: Follow me at Spencer Maddox underscore. Please don't forget the underscore.
0: Never, ever, ever forget that underscore. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Stay safe and wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace all right it's football season now Spencer no more basketball no more baseball so if you're in Savannah that means one thing and one place Coach's corner on victory drive
1: that's right Trav so after you watch the Falcons break your heart you can have a few you know one one or two beers come back the next day get your breakfast as well because they got breakfast now don't they
0: Monday through Friday 6 a.m. to 10:30. A.M. check them out now 3016 East Victory Drive or 912-352-2933 you can like them on Twitter Facebook and Instagram and if you go tell them the Hot credits Podcast sent you alright we are joined now by Christian Gokel of ESPN Coastal and uh, ESPN Coastal in Savannah on 104.3 FM Christian is the digital producer at ESPN Coastal and uh, is a big part of uh, a lot of their radio shows, including the Afternoon Drive Time show, 3 and Out, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m., 104.3 FM again, and then second down from 2 to 3 p.m., Christian hosts that show um, also on ESPN Radio, and you can find all that on Apple. Christian's going to join us to talk about Georgia, Florida, and some stuff going on over at ESPN Coastal. Christian, thanks for taking some time, man. I
2: appreciate you guys having me. Alright,
0: uh, while you're, when you're previewing Georgia Florida this week or talking about it on y'all's show, and, I, and obviously I know you guys do that, what's the talking point or question or, uh, you know, storyline that's come up the most so far for you surrounding this Georgia Florida game? Uh,
2: was Georgia's offensive performance against Kentucky an aberration? Uh, is it something you need to be worried about or was it something Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin said, hey, let's not show Florida anything. Uh, tell George Pickens it in Athens for a week and we'll pick it up in, Dains- or in uh, Jacksonville.
1: 14 points ain't going to get it done in my mind. I mean, just point blank, like, period.
0: That? You said, what did
1: you say? 14 points just ain't going to get it done in my mind, especially against that Kentucky team. I mean, no matter the play calling what have you, we should have, excuse me, UGA should have talented enough players to put up more than 14, don't you think? No, oh, a thousand percent. I think
2: that's the frustrating thing for Georgia fans, right? As you look at it, you have an offensive lineman that's five stars all the way across the board. You have a couple of five-star running backs, and then they're backed up by a couple of four-star running backs. Uh, you have George Pickens on the outside. You have a ton of other guys, I think, uh, are really stepping up. Jermaine Burton, I think, is going to be a real threat. Here's Jackson. Uh, has proven that he can be a threat on the outside. It's just now it's all, and you feel bad for him, but it's coming down to Stetson Bennett, who's the trigger man for the offense. And so you see all the ingredients are there. It's just not being executed. So, yeah, the frustration is real. And I think that's doubled uh, or tripled even because you're coming out of a bye week against Kentucky and it's the week before Florida. So, yeah, it is uh, it is worrisome on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah,
0: I, you know, I wanted to talk a lot about the Georgia quarterback room it, this year and the Georgia quarterback situation basically o- over the last several years, the last four, five, six, seven, eight years, there's been a few notable guys to get away. But I'll circle back to the quarterback issue in a minute. Christian, I wanted to ask first about um uh the head coaches in this game, Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen obviously did his part to make news last week for Florida um, and Kirby Smart, and you correct me, you know, if you disagree, Christian. It seems to me in the last couple of post-game press conferences and sort of in these midweek press conferences with Kirby Smart, he's becoming increasingly, uh, agitated, but it seems like by the questions about the offense. Um, and it doesn't seem like he's taken the route of saying, you know, we have to get better. We've got to be better or, or something like that. Instead, he's taken the route of, you know, we didn't get a lot of plays. I know he said that, Um you know, and Stetson Bennett didn't pass the ball a lot because we were able to run the ball. You know what I mean? He's sort of going that route. Yeah. How do you view this? I think it's interesting. Finally, Georgia Florida once again has two head coaches that are pretty, you know, that are pretty big names and they're making, you know, a lot of headlines on and off the field. What do you make of this coaching matchup?
2: Yeah, so Kirby Smart, going back to what you're saying about him. So we were talking just a second ago about like Georgia fans being frustrated with Georgia's offense. Do you think Georgia fans are frustrated with Georgia's offense? Imagine where Kirby Smart's at and, uh, he's, he's not in the business of playing dudes because he likes them, right? He, he's in the business of getting paid billions of dollars to win big football games. So, uh, when he goes out there and he's paying Todd Monk and he brought him in, it, it's gotta be frustrating when it's not there, right? Like we were, talking about Brian Snicker with the Braves, it's just got to be unbelievably frustrating when you're putting pitchers out there and they just won't throw strikes. They're just nibbling, right? And so you have these guys that are going right. up against your defense consistently week in and week out, and you're seeing things in practice that you think are working, but then you're getting into a game and you're not executing. And so uh, for Kirby Smart, I think what you're hearing come across in the press conferences, he doesn't want to go out and just – he's never going to, right? And just say Stetson Bennett is doing a bad job. He won't admit it. You'll never hear him say that. He'll say there's competition going on. He'll say we're always waiting for uh, another guy to step up, and if they give us a better chance to win, that's the guy who will play. So I don't think his frustration is inherently with the media asking about it. I think his frustration uh, has a lot to do with just his offense right now. And you, you feel bad for him, right? In any coach across the country because you're dealing with COVID, you brought in a new OC, and you didn't have an offseason hardly, and not especially not spring. So missing a couple of quarterbacks that you thought were going to be there. Uh, quarterback room hasn't really shaken out how you thought it would. So I, I just think he's frustrated. Uh, and that's what you're hearing come through. In terms of Dan Mullen, uh, he's starting to get on that Dabo Sweeney level with me where he says stuff in press conferences, and I just go, why? Why are you saying that? Do you not have <laughs> uh, a PR person, do you not have an FID there, just to tell you don't say that because it's just – it, yeah. it doesn't help him in any way. And I get it. You try to be the coach like a Nick Saban, where you send the message to your players through the media. But he's—I don't know if he has the ability uh, to do that yet. And we go back to the Missouri game. I mean, that brawl I think really started when he went on the field. It was obviously a terrible hit after the after the ball was gone, and a deserved 15-yard penalty. But I don't think that melee necessarily happens unless Dan Mullen's kind of lead the charge out on the field. And then, I mean, you've seen it before with Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. Uh, and then going into the halftime, he comes back out like somebody who just hit a walk-off home run. He comes back out of the tunnel and gets the, the fans amped up after he's had a couple of guys end up getting suspended from that fight. So uh, Dan Mullen, I think, is in an interesting spot because he's on the back-to-back New York Six Bowls. Uh, his team is performing better than they did under previous coaches but he's still kind of in that Urban Meyer shadow at Florida, and he hasn't beaten Georgia yet. So he's starting to get in kind of that Jim Harbaugh position where it's like, yeah, he wants the football games, but you're not
0: beating the team he wants you to. Yeah, I guess the only difference would be that uh, Dan Mullen wearing Darth Vader costumes and Jim Harbaugh wearing khakis. Yeah, exactly. But
2: anyway, Dan Mullen will rock some
0: khakis with some cleats out. too. I I thought... And and Spencer, you can go next. I, I thought... The Spurrier, I heard someone compare the Spurrier. I mean, Spurrier was always making news in press conferences, but I thought when when Spurrier said something or took a jab at Georgia and he would do that annually, um there was like a clear intention or, or, or like at least it was pointed at something. I, I remember him when he was at South Carolina saying something like, I love having Georgia in the first two weeks because you know someone's yeah. going to be suspended. But whereas Dan Mullins is kind of like – Who's your audience? Like, who, what, what's the goal there? You know what I mean?
1: Super weird. And the, the Darth Vader thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, strange. Well, yeah, like, like, since when is he Darth Vader? Like, like, what is, (laughs) I know
2: he's been great as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, but like, what has he really won? The Death Star's in Tuscaloosa. Like, if we're being real about that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, with Dan Mullen comparing him to Steve Spurrier in terms of press conferences, I mean, Steve Spurrier's a goat in press conferences, but to me, I feel like that's because Burrier was just he's kind of above it right like he, he just kind of floats above the rest of the coaches and when he goes into those press conferences you know when he's talking about it I think he generally talked about it because he understands how quirky and weird and fun and just kind of stupid college football can be and I think he really he, he rolled with that he, he played with the sarcasm You can tell he was having fun with the media whereas with Mullen it just it, it kind of feels forced right when he's trying to be funny it feels forced and he doesn't necessarily get the points across the right way. I mean Spurrier could fill up a book with his one liners, probably just about Georgia and just going and obviously you hear what he did uh, when he was at Florida and went into Athens and they had to play there just putting people back in so they can put fifty on the board. So I think Spurrier genuinely had fun with it, whereas Dan Mullen's trying to force it. I, I think that's the difference. I mean, comparing any Florida coach to Spurrier in anything is gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, for sure. Christian, getting back to Kirby for just a minute, um, A lot of fans, uh, like a lot of fans that I know have been saying, you know, obviously, it it was curious to me that you said Kirby's not in the business of playing people he doesn't like. Because I think looking back at his legacy, if Justin Fields is to win a national championship and we don't, excuse me, UGA doesn't win one under Kirby, I think a lot of people will say that his legacy is choosing from over Fields and the long-term implications that that might have. Um, Yeah. But... Compa- I think we
2: have the benefit. Oh,
1: go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just gonna say with with the Justin
2: Fields situation, I think now it's easy to sit back and say, Yeah, he made the wrong choice. Right. But if you go back to it, like what had Jake Fromm done uh during his career at Georgia? He had taken Georgia to within a play of winning the national championship and when he left the field in the national championship, he had the lead. The last the last time Jake Fromm stepped on the field in that two thousand seventeen season, he had the lead in the national championship game. Then the next year he comes back, Justin Fields is back up and pushing him, but all they do is go 11-1 in the regular season again. Right. And he puts up 28 points on Alabama and that was a good Alabama defense. So, uh, and then you didn't really have a chance to see the quarterback battle going through because then Justin Fields transfer. So I think Kirby Smart did his job in just getting Justin Field on campus and, uh, everything I've heard is he told him he like, hey, you're going to have a chance to compete for the job. And if you're the best quarterback, you have play. But I mean, if you're Kirby Smart and you look at what your team had done, gone toe to toe within a play twice, uh, of beating Alabama. And I think the stat was in those games out of 120 regular, uh, of the regular time minutes, they, Jordan had like 118, uh, in those games. So I mean, it's just.
0: Boom. That's an all time stat.
2: Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think you can really point and say it's, it's Justin Fields would have been a difference. Now you're looking at it you got,
1: yeah, you got Seth Bennett playing and Justin Fields balling out of Ohio State. Yeah, that hurts. So That's tough like that. to swallow for a lot of Georgia fans, yeah, I'm sure.
2: Rather but at the same time, you had a quarterback who, had, who won 11 games, uh, I think three years in a row in the regular season and won three straight SEC East championships. So it's, it's tough to swallow this year because Justin Fields is balling out. But at the same time, man, if you're a coach and you have a guy who does nothing but win, it's it's hard to shake your head
1: at that, but again, very very true. And that that national championship uh, appearance, in my mind, has certainly saved Kirby from a lot of uh, maybe not criticism, but fire. Like it feels like Kirby Smart seat is not hot in the slightest. Although yeah. people are starting to get frustrated, but if you look at it, really, Kirby versus Rick, they're right around the same trajectory, wouldn't you say, at this point?
2: Yeah, yeah, but, like, what's the... And I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but, like, what's the point with that comparison? Because, I mean, Mark Rick, right? Like, you didn't fire Mark Rick after five years. Mark Rick had another decade at the University of Georgia because he had a really hot start at Georgia and had a a ton of initial success. The reason the switch was made was because the recruiting fell off, Mark Rick was not winning the big football games, and they had been surpassed in the SEC. So... I think, if anything, when people compare early Mark Rick to what Kirby Smart's done so far, I think you would say that's kind of a clue for Kirby Smart because he's done a really good job because Mark Rick won two SEC championships, and if you had the college football playoff around when Mark Rick was the head coach back then, then Georgia probably twice would have played in the college football playoff under Mark Rick in those early days. So uh, whenever I see the stats come out, cause I know it's like journalist's favorite thing to do is like, finds Kirby Smart and Mark Rick's records who like, however many games I've done, and then...
0: I can't tell you how many hours I actually do spend That's exactly what I do. <laughs> I'm not lying. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like you go back, you look, at, you look at Kirby Smart, and you're like, oh, okay, he's coached for X amount of games, playing these bowl
2: games. Let's compare exactly that. Well, it's like, Mark Rick's a hell of a coach, and I think Kirby Smart would be happy if he got another decade at UGA.
0: I don't know. I feel like we could still make a pretty clean-looking, like, chart... Or at least like a bar graph or, yeah, I or think, something. Yeah, I think a
1: lot of fans are just frustrated in general because we still, excuse me, I keep doing that. Well, UGA hasn't beat Alabama. I think that's, I think that's what it comes down to. That's kind of
2: what I would, well, bro, but I would ask you this. I would ask you this. You say UGA hasn't beat Alabama. Who's, who beats Alabama? Yeah. Right? I mean, Harvard jumps up and gets them every now and then and Clemson's like 50 50 with them. So like,
1: True. Who, it's,
2: I think it's who who tough. Be, if you're comparing your program yeah. on you don't beat Alabama, there's like, three programs in the country that are like, well, that's kind of
0: our scene. Alright, here's my thing, though, know, and I would say, like, after watching Georgia play Alabama, I was not really at all surprised by how that thing went down. If anything, I was sort of stunned by how solid Georgia was in the first half, and sure. when you look at it after the game, it just seems like the gap, and I realize it's a tall ask, and it's, you know, I don't even think arguably anymore the, the best run in college football history and modern college football history. Uh, so I don't want to pretend like Georgia needs to beat Alabama every time head to head. What I would say is that I haven't seen any closure in the gap really since 2012 and, and Chris Conley and Aaron Murray and, and that whole crew. Since then, I, is, has the gap really closed between teams like Georgia? And Clemson and Alabama, or or is it, I mean, is the gap bigger between those teams? Or is it, um, you know, as opposed to Georgia versus, say, Notre Dame? Or um, I know you're a big Cincinnati guy this year. uh, Is Georgia closer to the people in front of them or behind them?
2: I would say this. uh, Again, we go back to the point of how close Georgia played Alabama, right? Like the last two times before this time georgia had played them down to an over like yeah to an overtime and then uh jalen hurts bringing alabama all the way back in the championship so like it was there as close to alabama as you could be just by the time of possession in those games the the players that they had on the field and where kirby smart has really caught up to alabama where mark rick wasn't is on the recruiting trail because the last four years alabama georgia flip flop no. with the number one recruiting classes so that's where I think Georgia has caught him. And then this year, it's just, it's 2020, man. It's so weird. Cause think about where Kirby Smart was following 2019. You have Jake Prom, who you thought you could get back for the 2020 season as a four-year starter. I know Georgia fans are frustrated with him after last year, but I mean.
0: Oh my God. I mean, dude, that's, yeah, that and, seems like and, Joe Montana yeah. right now.
2: Yeah. If he was, if he was, if he was line center for Georgia right now, I mean, they honestly, if you give them that same performance in Tuscaloosa, they'd probably win that game with the way the offense came out and started. So you have a four-year starter going to Tuskegee. Okay, scratch that. He decides he wants to go uh, be, be like the emergency quarterback for the Bills. So Jay Prom's off doing that. Then you go get Jamie Newman, who is the size of Cam Newton. He can whip the ball around and it can fly. And, okay, we have him coming in. That's fine. Let's bring him in. And, oh, wait, you know what? Two weeks before the season starts, I talk to my agent. I talk to my parents. I think I'm just going to opt out of the season. Uh, Appreciate you guys letting me come out here and sling the ball around a little bit. We'll see you guys later. And then you bring in J.C. Daniels during that time, too. Former five-star, had a great freshman season. Oh, well, maybe my knee's not actually as healthy uh, as y'all thought it was. There's some scar tissue on it. I probably really won't start being ready to take reps until the third or fourth week of the season. And by that point, are you really willing to put him in live fire action? So then you have the guy who came in as a walk-on, left to go to a JUCO, came back in, was gonna be like your fifth string quarterback, and all of a sudden that dude's the starter. So I just I think this year's an apparition, but if I'm a Georgia fan talking about closing the gap with Alabama, I would ask you this. And this is an honest question. I think some Georgia fans might take the first option. Would you rather be LSU who you kind of have the stars aligned and you bring in a backup quarterback who wasn't going to get playing time at Ohio State and you bring in these wide receivers who people thought were one stars but turn out to be five stars and you go out Catch fire and win a national championship, but then the next year your team looks like a bottom-tier SEC team. Or would you rather your program be competing in December every single year, which Georgia has done outside of Kirby Smart's first year because they won the SEC East every single year since. So it's, it's an honest question, and we talk about closing the gap with Clemson, Alabama. It's a it's a tough gap to close, but I think the one way to do it is through recruiting. I think Kirby Smart's doing that.
0: Yeah, and I hear you. And just to answer, like, I think I would, I would personally would rather the contending every year, year in and year, year out. But I don't know that, you know, a majority of Georgia fans think that. But I mean, personally, me, I, I would rather, I'm pretty pleased with Kirby Smart so far at Georgia. Um, alright, Christian, just a couple more things quickly. I wanted to ask you about the Georgia Southern quarter, or the, uh, Georgia Southern, Georgia quarterback room. Uh, and, and over the last couple of years, I think maybe what Spencer was getting at earlier, and I don't know if this is what you were trying to hint at, Spencer. For me, it's tough to put aside. uh I mean, Jake Fromm over Justin Fields is one thing. I was adamantly pro Jake Fromm in that uh ordeal, I guess you would say. But there is the thing about not taking I mean, Trevor Lawrence was a Georgia commit at one time. He's from Cartersville, Georgia. Justin Fields, now starring in Ohio. He's from, uh, you know, the Kennesaw area from Harrison High School. Uh, Deshaun Watson from Gainesville, Georgia was a number one overall pick. Lawrence is headed toward that. Georgia is starting Stetson Bennett and hasn't had a first round pick since Matt Stafford. For you, is there a problem with Georgia, like recruiting quarterbacks? I, I know, I'm- I find myself every year asking, why can't Georgia have A star quarterback and not every year just every maybe three or four years in the recruiting cycle from and Murray and those kind of guys are really good guys and they're ranked highly out of high school I get that but there's a difference between a guy like that and a guy a guy like from just by his physical build and a guy like Trevor Lawrence who always had the potential to be a number one overall pick and it's even more hurtful that they're from Georgia's own backyard, I mean, do you ever find yourself wondering how on earth Georgia got in this situation? Uh, I would just, I think, I think it's that thing where we, we get to write the book report after we read the book, whereas they're kind of writing the book, so... Um, Ooh, I, I like it. that. Yeah, the, the, the,
2: the, I like the that. The Trevor Lawrence thing, the Trevor Lawrence thing's tough, right, but you were not going to get him and Justin Fields, right? It was one or the other. Obviously, the Georgia coaches have said, we like Fields, we like what he can do with his legs. Uh, we're going to push towards Fields. And I also, like, don't take away from what Dabo Sweeney can offer, which is we're going to surround you with amazing weapons, you're probably going to go undefeated every year, and you're going to go to the college football playoff every year. So I think with Trevor Lawrence, that was like you had to pick or choose which one you were going to go after. They really went after Justin Fields, and to their credit, they landed him. Uh, the one that hurts is Deshaun Watson, and it's because, and the stories I've heard are, like Bobo and Mark Rick said, you're not a fit for our offense. You, you just don't fit what we're trying to do with offense, which is pro style, air it mm. out, and you're more of a running quarterback. That one hurts. At the same time, though, I mean, people think back on Aaron Murray now and think, yeah, he's a pretty good Georgia quarterback. Dude is the SEC's all-time leading quarterback.
0: He's I am Aaron Murray's biggest fan. I still consider him to be Georgia's greatest quarterback ever. I mean, I he was Georgia's greatest quarterback ever. Him.
2: He's the best college quarterback I think Georgia's ever had. Like Matt Stafford's clearly the best prospect, but in terms of the best college quarterback Georgia ever had, it was Aaron Murray. And so uh I think you had Hudson. You, you recruited Hudson Mason, uh who at the time I believe was Georgia's all-time leading passer. Uh, and so you bring him in. Then there's a the weird year with Grace and Lambert, where like you, and I think again, I think it's one of the reasons we got more Grace because the recruiting fell off. Was it's just it's you you. You're, Bring Grayson Lambert in, that's the dude that we're rocking with, and Patone Bausch is gonna to have to take snaps in Florida against Florida, like, it, it got weird in there for a minute, but since Kirby Smart got there, right, you're talking about Jake fromm uh, playing, well, Jake Rahm wasn't supposed to play, it was supposed to be the 6-5 star out of Washington and Jacob Eason, right? And so you bring him in, well, maybe he's not as good as you thought he was, he can throw it like 100 yards, but maybe not the best quarterback for your system, he goes out to Washington, and he's pretty okay, but he wasn't great, and then you have a guy like Jake Bob, who all he does is hit seven yard out routes and win football games. So uh it's just, it's been an interesting dynamic in Georgia's quarterback room. I think you're starting to see that switch a little bit. I think Carson Beck's going to be really good. And I think Brock Maynard, if the dude they have committed to him right now is like that stud superstar uh potential style quarterback, that Trevor Lawrence, like kind of like a quarterback that they're keeping home this time. So, I think it's just it's easy to sit back and say, look at all these great Georgia quarterbacks that have gone on to play well. I think Corner's probably pissed off that Aaron Murray played for Georgia and South Florida, too. So it's uh, it's just one of those things where it sucks when you look back on it, but when you spread out the timetable, it makes sense.
0: All right, Christian, we won't keep you much longer, I promise. Um, we'll ask some stuff about ESPN Coastal in just a second. Sure. Um, first, I wanted to thank our one of our sponsors, Braddy Electric, since 1970, commercial, industrial, and residential um, electrician needs in Savannah in Savannah area, call them 912-232-3240 or visit them at 1104 East 35th Street Spencer, you want to shoot?
1: Yeah, Christian, so shifting gears just a little bit here how wild was it during the first early days of COVID being in sports radio?
2: Oh man, you want to talk about coming and just like scratching the bottom of the barrel for some content that Oh was, man, yeah uh, Kevin Thomas and I had some fun trying to figure out some stuff to talk about. I think uh I don't know it seems like five years ago this came out, but there was like a week where uh, we would go home every night and we would watch an episode of Tiger King and uh come back and recap that on the show. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh it was it was interesting. So I did we, told Kevin yeah. during it, 'Cause you're writing I'm writing four hours of, of show rundown and there are like literally zero sports. And like the one great period we had was like the NFL draft. And we, man, we just became like an NFL draft show. But, right. and, uh, I told, I told Kev, I was like, if we ever get sports back and I complain that like, oh, there's nothing to talk about, I was like, you have my written permission to just punch the hell out of me because that was, that was just pulling my hair out every day. Listen
1: to this, man. Me and Trav
0: started our podcast, I think. Early March. It was the last week in February. Yeah, we started a sports podcast the last week in February. So was, we got through.
1: A
2: idea on your part.
1: We got through <laughs> one episode, and then episode two we never got to release because the world came to a screeching halt.
2: Yeah, I mean I kicked off second down on June first. That was interesting. Yeah, I thought football well, was going to be back. Yeah.
0: At the bottom of your content barrel are uh, golden nugs like the cereal uh, draft. I'm sure that was from the mind of Christian Gokel. That was one of my favorites.
2: Oh, it mean, sure, shit, it sure, shit was, but it, uh, it was not during the pandemic. I can't claim that as a pandemic one. Well, I should have saved that. Oh my, my What
1: was, was what was your number one pick?
0: I'm curious.
2: Uh, oh, uh, I wasn't actually drafting. I was sort of in the, uh, I was sort of in the. He was like, uh,
0: weird, Roger he was like okay. weird Roger Goodell. He yeah, was like weird Roger Goodell drinking wine.
2: That was a Trey Wingo role where we, me and Mark Douglas were sort of sitting <laughs> back breaking down the picks as they happened.
1: The Wingo of cereal. Gotcha.
2: Correct.
0: There's a market for that. Um uh Christian, working at ESPN Coastal, and especially working on the Three and Out show, what's it like working with uh BJ Bennett, Kevin Thomas, and Ben Troop now? BJ and Kevin especially, the longevity and the success that they've had, you know what, I don't know, I'm not behind the scenes, I would have to assume it's successful because they're still on the air, here we are, I think nine years after they they started their show Three and Out. What's it like being around... Guys like BJ and Kevin every day and just seeing how they kind of go about getting ready for a show every day.
2: Well, first of all, it's super fun, right? Because I mean, yeah, we are a, we're a local sports talk show and we cover everything pretty much in the state of Georgia sports wise. Falcons, Braves, uh, we'll talk a little hawks. They usually aren't worth talking about. Uh, and we'll talk about NFL, but the heart and soul of our show is college football. And yeah, we talk a lot of Georgia and we talk a lot of Georgia Southern, man, but we just, college football overall is the heart of the show so uh, knowing that going in like when I'm putting a rundown together it's so much fun because like on most shows you're not bringing on like a guy who played left tackle for Alabama in 2002 like it's just who who cares what this guy has to say but on our show we really care what that dude has to say it's just so much fun to get perspective uh, but with Kevin and BJ the fun part is knowing the things that BJ does that piss off Kevin and trying to find a way inside the show. If I could put something in there where I know BJ is going to give a response and it's going to make Kevin mad, that, that is a thousand times out of a thousand going into the show. All
0: right. Well, something I got to ask now that I have the opportunity. How realistic are some of those, like, um, you guys do different segments, like, uh, you know, was it, uh, four downs or whatever way you just asked him? Yeah. Yeah. Take three, right? We do it every day at this time. Uh, are those questions and and content and topics, do you keep those to yourself until you're reading those to those guys?
2: They do not get them until like 30 minutes before the show when they get their show rundown. So they don't really have a chance to like talk to each other about like what their answers are going to be. So it's, uh, there are some every now and then that I'll tell Kevin, like I'll just leave a question blank, uh, on the rundown until he has to ask it on the show and then I'll give it to him. And it, those do not make him happy, but he also usually realizes what I'm going for. But yeah, I think, I guess you caught that a few times where you can tell that's the first time they're hearing that question because we usually get the pretty
0: good answers out of them. Yeah, for sure. You guys do. Um, what, what's your favorite role there? Because you serve multiple roles. You're, you're sometimes, you know, like behind the board and not really, you know, heard on air. You're just producing and, and you know, running the show. Sometimes you're hosting the show. And sometimes you're one of. You know, maybe sometimes it's just you and one other person um, on three and out. It's like that when you're on second down, too. Kind of what role do you enjoy best, uh, you know, in the radio field?
2: Second down is really fun. Like, that's my show. But uh, I kind of use that with Cody to talk about the things I want to talk about. But I know necessarily we probably couldn't fit them into three and out with whatever we're doing that day. So I have a lot of fun with that show. We just got to shoot and breathe a lot. And just talking about a lot of stuff that we care about. I told Cody, I was like, as soon as that's not fun anymore, we're not going to do it. So we, we just try to keep it uh, live and fun. I love having Cam on there from Savannah State because he kind of he keeps us young a little bit. But uh, my favorite role is producing 3-and-out because all these guys are just immensely talented. Uh, Kevin runs this radio station, and then we get him for three hours a day to do the show. But, I mean, BJ writes on SouthernPacing.com, <laughs> and that is his brainchild. Uh, And he, the dude knows more about guys from the SOCON than anyone respectfully needs to know uh, about (laughs) dudes from the SOCON. And then, obviously, just then you think you have all the stories out of him, and then he just drops one on you that makes your jaw drop. And I I just, I love getting to kind of facilitate, and it's like, it's really, I tell them, it's like drawing up a game plan or like a playbook, and then just like watching them execute it is so much fun, because I put... They, they say, like, for every hour of radio that you're going to put out, you have to put two into it. And that's not a lie uh, with the with the work that these guys do. But getting to uh, or them allowing me and trusting me enough to write the rundowns and put together a script for them and then watching them pull that off, it's so much fun.
0: You got anything else, Spencer? No, I'm good, There. All right, Christian, I got one more, and then we'll let you um, plug your stuff. Shoot. Um, I'll ask this simply because I can relate to this. Maybe better than, probably better than most people you interact with. Uh, what's your favorite part about interviewing a nervous or shy high school athlete on air?
2: Honestly, getting better at it, like, cause when I first started, I was doing like, uh, a Savannah Christian show, the Benedictine show, and a couple of other, uh, local high school shows. And it's like, I would ask them this like huge Paragraph long question where I'm trying to like paint a picture for the audience and the kid and trying to get something amazing answer out of them. And you get, Yes, sir. And it just sounds like a gut punch when you're trying to interview them. And so I think what I've gotten better at is kind of leading them in questions. But uh, my favorite is like when you, when you touch on something, it's it's really like interviewing a coach. When you ask that question and you just hear like a click in their mind and they go off on something, that's so much fun to me because you can hear. Like the nerves drop and you're like, all right, here we go. Now we can dive into this. I love uh, talking to those guys because yeah, we were all 17 once and like at the, the radio station, college, you, you're like, holy crap. Uh, you go from being like the dude that's completely willing to be 170 pounds and get hit, hit by a 300 pounder. No problem with doing that. If somebody asks you a question and you sound like they're middle school again. So yeah, just finding a way to facilitate, uh,
0: those questions to them so where they can have fun with the interviews. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know the struggle of that. Dude, that's a, that's a rare special talent to interview high school athletes. You got to be a real one to do that. Um, all right. Christian, we, we, uh, told everyone where to find your stuff, um, at the beginning of the interview, but I'll let you double back down now and, and hit anything we missed. Um, how do people listen? Where do they listen? Um, and how do they follow you or on Twitter? Yeah.
2: So we have live radio and Hilton Head, Savannah, Brunswick and Waycross uh savannah 104.3 1400 uh espn savannah there and then you can find all of our stuff on espn coastal.com just click the listen live tab so you can listen on your phone computer uh wherever you are we're also on the espn app uh you can go to their radio affiliates and listen on the espn app as well and then all of our podcasts are done there as well you can follow me at gokel espn on twitter i don't know why you would do that it's mostly just me retweeting uh really weird local journalism and mostly by Travis Jadon, so I don't know why you follow me on Twitter. But, yeah, we is. got a lot of really cool content. Uh, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but on Thursday, and if you miss it on Thursday, we'll have it up on the website. We're having the Ben Troop's Porter Georgia Legends Series. Uh, we're going to have guys like DJ Shockley, Rennie Curran, uh, a bunch of Florida guys, C.S. Faison and stuff. Come on, talk with Ben about the rivalry, and that's going to be from 7 to 9 on Thursday before the game. And like I said, we'll have all of that up on the podcast as well.
0: All right, Christian, that's awesome, man. Appreciate you joining us. Um, and tell uh, Kevin and BJ and Ben and those guys we said hello. Uh,
2: absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me.
0: Thanks, Christian.